0: pray what needs to be prayed out, helping us to see what otherwise we'd not see, to hear what you're saying to us, that we truly might rise to that place, walk in that very life that the blood of Jesus purchased for us. So we thank you. We praise you. We magnify you. We thank you for everything that will be accomplished tonight in every heart and in every life by your word and your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good evening, church. Good evening, church. How are you this evening? Welcome. Praise the Lord. Greet three or four people around you. Tell them that you're glad that they're here tonight. And then you can be seated. Praise the Lord. Great to see you tonight. I have some information for you. You win. Praise the Lord. We might not know who else is winning or what's going on, but we know that we win, that we have the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, praise the Lord. As Alan said, you know we look at all these different sports analogies, but uh, you know Jesus is the greatest closer, finisher that ever lived. Has more saves than anybody else. Praise the Lord. And uh, God is victorious, and so we're looking for victory. We're looking for the feeling of being on the winning team, and. Uh, you know, in many different instances, people are, but we are on the winning team. That's just a fact. Read the end of the book, we win. Praise the Lord. And uh, that's it. So just want to make a couple of announcements and then receive our local church tithes and offerings. Just let you know of things that are coming up uh, for your edification. Jesus placed uh, gifts in the body that we might be equipped, fully furnished for the work of ministry And so in March, March 17th and 18th, the Hankins are going to be with us. Uh, The end of March there, uh, March 31st, is Easter. So mark that down. We're going to have a great time. Easter is something you don't ever want to miss uh, or overlook. Uh, It is really our day to recognize. Every day we acknowledge it, but it's our day to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then uh, May the 29th, on Wednesday night, uh, Jesse DePlantis is going to be with us. June, uh, what is it? Let me see. Praise the Lord. June 23rd, Jim Hockaday is going to be here. A Day of Healing, uh, Jim Hockaday is going to be here. And then uh, July uh, 19th, 20th, and 21st. Uh, 19th and 20th are our Men's Stand Hall Men's Conference on Friday night and Saturday morning. And then Saturday night, uh, invite your friends, tell everybody you know, uh, men and women alike, children, everybody, um, we are going to have a night, an awe of God night with John Bevere uh, on his awe of God tour. And then Sunday morning, the 21st, Addison and Arden Bevere, uh, they'll be speaking at the men's conference, and they'll be doing Sunday morning on the 21st. So that's going to be an awesome weekend in July, and so... Praise the Lord. I believe God has an awesome 2024. Amen. Who knows what it looks like around us, but God is preparing us for what he's prepared for us. So when we arrive at that place, we occupy it. It doesn't occupy us. And so uh, no matter what we look at, we will be fully furnished and equipped for every. Good work that God brings our way. Amen. If you weren't here this morning or weren't prepared with the local church size and offerings, I want to give you an opportunity to give. If you're making it out check, make it at New Creation Church. If you're giving by cash or debit or credit card, raise your hand. The number for text is up on the screen. If you're watching on live stream, you can go to our website uh, and go on the give button, and um, you can participate in giving. We're all so thankful. Always so thankful for your giving. We're praying that this is a year of restoration, uh, best year that you've ever had, uh, every debt paid by the power of God, amen, and uh, things restored to your life. And so uh, we're standing with you as you're standing with us. Many lives uh, changed. Uh, Two men rededicated their life in the jail today. Uh, Praise the Lord. Last week at the extended table, our night at the extended table, uh, they're starting to take Bibles and hand them out uh, to the people that come to extended table who would like a Bible. And so just getting the word of God out in many different ways and caring for people, uh, serving them uh, food, but also giving them the food of the word of God. And so uh, amongst all the ministries that go on here and missions and different things, um, you are supporting things that are helping in our community as well. So um, we always appreciate your giving, uh, empowering the church to do uh, outreach and to minister to others. Amen. Praise the Lord. Are we ready? Father, we thank you for every opportunity that we have to enter into this uh, covenant exchange of giving and receiving. Everything that we have belongs to you. And we acknowledge that in our giving, in our tithes and our offerings. So Father, as we do, we know by that covenant that everything that we have belongs to you but also everything that you have belongs to us. So we thank you and we command the blessings of your word upon each and every one as they give. We thank you, Father, that you supply every need according to your riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I thank you that you give more seed to the sower, bread for food. You multiply the seed that they've sown, the fruit of their righteousness. You increase our generosity that we might give to every charitable Donation And in giving, in those ways of love and charity, I thank you, Father, thanksgiving raises up to you through our giving. So we give you glory. We give you honor in our giving. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can go ahead and pass those buckets. Praise the Lord. And then open up your hearts. Get ready to receive. Pastor Tasha is going to come and minister the word to us tonight. Praise the Lord.
1: stuff in order. It's a good night. (laughs) You guys are in the right place. At the right time. time. That's right. (laughs) Okay. I feel like something's hung up here. So last time uh, we were together, we were talking about the Holy Spirit. We were talking about praying in other tongues, and we're going to continue on that tonight. And um, so we're going to for a few weeks anyway, uh, because we're talking about revival, ready, set, revival, and this is a major part of revival, and really bringing revival, and connecting with God in a way that he wants us to, and so as we look tonight, we're going to see different places in the book of Acts, where uh, they spoke with other tongues, it wasn't just in the second chapter of Acts, but we're going to look at that, Um, let's pray before we get started. Father, we just thank you so much for this opportunity to grow and to learn. And we thank you for your word. And we pray that you'll increase us tonight. You'll increase us in understanding you'll increase us in our uh, walk with you, you'll increase us in our prayer life, you'll increase us in knowledge and in the word. We thank you, Father God, when we have understanding of the word, then we can have confidence to go places with you. And so I just thank you that we'll grow in that tonight. And Father, we just open our hearts to all that you have for us. We open our hearts our spirit up to receive the word, for the Holy Spirit to speak to us, and we thank you that he'll do that tonight, that he'll cause us, Father, to grow in every way in spiritual things, that we can be that spiritual person that we desire to be, walking hand in hand with you, doing your will in the world, and we thank you for it, Lord. You've equipped us, you've given us power, and help us to grow in that tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So last time we were together, we were talking about the Holy Spirit and how he is our counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and standby. And he really is given to us as a gift, a gift to help us, to guide us, to show us uh, spiritual things and really to open up spiritual things for us. So we talked about being baptized in the Holy Spirit and what that meant, that they were literally pickled in the spirit when they were baptized. We talked about different kinds of baptism, how there is a baptism into the body of Christ, and that's salvation, and then they were baptized in water, and that was that word babto, which meant to be dunked in water, or you know, you could baptize anything. You could baptize your cookie, your donut, whatever, (laughs) but it means to be dunked and to be pulled back up but you you might get wet, but you're going to dry out. But then there was another baptism that took place, and that was the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And that word baptizo was uh, even greater than just being wet and then drying out. It was actually being overwhelmed by the Spirit. It was being... Uh, through and through, saturated with his presence. And so we saw that in the second chapter of Acts, they came and they were baptized in the spirit and they received power. And what kind of power did they receive? Well, it was that dunamis power. It was power, ability, efficiency, and might. From the Lord, it was his ability that was imparted to them, and it made them effective in everything that they did. They now had power to be witnesses, power to live, power to overcome, power to impart the anointing to others. So there was a power that came upon them. And it wasn't power to be weird. It wasn't power to, you know, just uh, act strange because of the Holy Spirit. No, it was power to change people's lives and to change their life. And so we can receive that same kind of power. And we looked and saw how when the Holy Spirit came, he came on the day of Pentecost, how it was fully fulfilled Everything that the Lord had spoken of about Pentecost, about harvest, about that feast that they celebrated was now brought all together, and they were shown that this harvest wasn't just a spiritual. Uh, or a natural, sorry, harvest that they were celebrating, but there was a spiritual connotation to it. And Peter puts it all together, and that's where we're going to start tonight. In the book of Acts, Peter puts it all together, and he goes, wait a minute, Joel talked about this. He talked about how this harvest... Is, is not just a natural thing, but it's a spiritual thing that God did. And God was pouring out abundance, and he was pouring out restoration upon his people. So. That's to catch us up where we are. So why Pentecost? Because Pentecost was that day when uh, they celebrated the harvest. But now harvest takes on a whole new meaning in the New Testament. And we looked at that, how uh, you know, Jesus even said, the harvest is uh, uh, plentiful, but the laborers are few. So what? Pray the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers. Do you know that's who we are? That's why we need the power. We need the power to be effective, efficient laborers in the harvest. And in the end time, when we talk about revival, the greatest revival is going to be a drawing of people to him. So we are laborers in this harvest. And it's really a wonderful privilege that we have to work with the Lord in that way. So go with me over to Acts chapter 2. That's where we're going to pick up. We're going to talk about what happened in the upper room. That's the name of the message uh, tonight. What happened in the upper room and beyond? Because it went beyond the upper room. So what happened in the upper room and beyond? Acts chapter 2 is where we're going. Acts chapter 2 starting, I think, let's see. In verse, let's just start from verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all assembled together in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven like a rushing of a violent tempest blast, and it filled the whole house in which they were sitting. And I have the uh, Amplified Classic version of the Bible. So mine's going to have a little more words, but uh, if yours doesn't, that's okay. Just listen to this one. It'll expound even what you have. All right, so in verse uh, three, it says, and there appeared to them tongues resembling fire, which were separated and distributed and settled on each of them. And we talked about this last week, how or last time we were together, how the Holy Spirit came into the room resembling wind, sounding like wind and resembling fire. So when he came in, he did not just come in a uh, little Bic lighter on their heads, and all of a sudden they appeared, and they're like, hey, you got fire on your head. No, it wasn't like that. It was like he completely engulfed them. They were overwhelmed with the Spirit. They were filled, fully filled with the Holy Spirit. So cloven meant that he came into the room, and then he went this way and that way and this way and that way and settled on each one of them. So when they... uh, Experienced this, something happened. It says, and they were diff- all filled, diffused through their souls with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other different foreign languages, tongues, as the Spirit kept giving them clear and loud expression in each tongue in appropriate words. Now there were then residing in Jerusalem Jews, devout and God-fearing men from every country under heaven. And when this sound was heard, the multitude came together, and they were astonished and bewildered, because each one heard them, the apostles, speaking in his own language in his particular dialect. So what happened in the upper room? Well, it says they were all filled. It didn't say just the twelve were filled. It said all were filled. All, and there was 120 people in the upper room. So it wasn't just a gift for the apostles. It wasn't just a a gift for those selected ones that... Walked with Jesus in that way, it was for everyone in that upper room. So 120 of them were filled. And what happened when they were filled? Well, they began to speak in languages they didn't know. You know, in the upper room, they didn't have Rosetta Stone or Babel or, you know, you learn this one, you learn that one, you learn this one, we're going to spill out into the streets. No, this wasn't from their head. It wasn't from their intellect, it was from the Holy Spirit. These languages came from the Holy Spirit. So now, they spoke in different languages that they didn't know, it didn't come from their head, it came from the Spirit, but they spoke with their own mouth, their own tongue, their own voice, but it was the Holy Spirit's words. You know, sometimes when we're praying with somebody to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's hard to get this. We think the Holy Spirit is going to do something... But no, we do something. And see, they were so moved with the Holy Spirit, fire had come into the room. I mean, they were they were filled. Have, have you ever been on fire before? I have been on fire before. And you know what? You can't help but say something when you're on fire. You can't help but say something. Mark and I were at a camp in France, and I took my curling iron and... <laughs> <laughs> and I had a transformer and an adapter for my curling iron, because you know our electricity is 110, but their electricity is 220. So I took an adapter and my transformer, and everywhere that I was that I could use my transformer, it was fine. But we got to this camp in the Alps of France. <laughs> where There was nothing. And the outlet was recessed, and so my transformer wouldn't work. And so I just thought, you know what? I'll just plug it in and unplug it. Plug it in and unplug it so that you know, it gets hot enough to curl my hair, because I needed it curled, because we were going to be hiking in the mountains. It was important. So anyway, I thought, I'll plug it in, it'll get hot, and then I'll unplug it real quick. And it was working really good, until I left it plugged in too long. Well, the sad thing was, like, I didn't curl my hair down here. I clipped it right onto my bangs, and my bangs caught on fire. (laughs) And they, it was flames. And I started yelling. And he was in the shower, and he couldn't hear me. So I, like, put the fire out on my head. My curling iron melted into the sink. And then... I walked into the shower. I ripped the curtain open. I'm like, look at my head. And he goes, what did you do? There's a cockroach on your head. I said, no, that is not a cockroach. That is my fried hair. It looked like a cockroach sitting on my head, a giant cockroach. So I was screaming. So anyway, (laughs) when you're on fire, guess what? when something happens in here, something came out of here. (laughs) And when we're praying with someone to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, sometimes that's one of the hardest things is to get them to say something out of their mouth. But if they will let what's in their spirit come out of their mouth, well, then they can connect with the Holy Spirit. And it takes faith to do that. It takes faith. The Holy Spirit doesn't just overtake us in the sense that he takes our voice. No, he overwhelms us. He fills us. He's doing something on the inside. We can feel it and we know it, but we give voice to it. We give voice. So it was their voice. It was their tongue, but it was the Holy Spirit's words. And in Matthew 12, 34, the second part of the verse, part B, it says this, for out of the fullness, the overflow the superabundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the overflow, the abundance of our heart, our mouth speaks. When our heart is full of Him, guess what? It's going to come out our mouth. But if your heart is full of worry, what comes out of your mouth? All your worries. You're telling everybody. If your heart is full of golf, what comes out of your mouth? Everywhere you go, you're talking about golf. You're talking about, I know people like that. There's people, not him. Not him, but friends of his. No. (laughs) If you're full of fear, what comes out of your mouth? Fear. If you're full of your grandkids, what comes out of your mouth? You're talking about your grandkids all the time. You're showing pictures of them. Okay, that could be me. But if you're full of the Holy Spirit, then what comes out of your mouth? His words. And that's what they experienced. So when you're full of him, then he is going to come out of your mouth. I like what the People's New Testament says. It says this about this verse. It says, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and the disciples present. To be filled implies that the human spirit was overwhelmed by or immersed in the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Spirit was not a sprinkling, but an outpouring that overwhelmed the human spirit. And they began to speak, for this was the beginning of speaking." This wasn't the only time this happened. This was the beginning of speaking. It was the birthday of the church. And this is what Rick Renner says about it. In Sparkling Gems, the second book, The Red One, on June 14th, you will read this entry. It says, It was not until Acts chapter two that the disciples comprehended the greatness of the Holy Spirit's ability to empower believers to testify the witness of the spirit of Jesus Christ literally blasted out of their mouths as they hit the streets of Jerusalem fully yielded to the holy spirit in addition to supernaturally declaring the wonderful works of God in other languages they proclaimed the word of God intelligently in their own language as well to a people that they had been afraid of the day before i love that power for what to be a witness, power to be a witness. So Acts chapter 2, back over to where we were, and let's see where we are. Uh, When this sound was heard, the multitude came together. They were astonished and bewildered because each one heard them. The apostles, oh, wait a minute, Uh, yeah, we talked about all the people being there. Okay, and when they heard the sound, the sound of them coming out, the multitude came together. They were astonished and bewildered because each one heard the apostles speaking in his own particular dialect. And they were beside themselves with amazement, saying, are not all these who are talking Galileans? They knew where they were from. And then it says, and how is it that we each of us hear our own particular dialect to which we were born, Parthenians and Medes and Elamites and inhabitants of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and the provinces of Asia, Perga and Pamphylia, Egypt and all the parts of Libya around Cyrene, and the transient residents from Rome, both Jews and proselytes to Judaism from other regions, Cretans and Arabians too, We all hear them speaking in our own native tongue and telling of the mighty works of God. And all were beside themselves with amazement and were puzzled and bewildered, saying to one another, What then can this mean? What can this mean? What's going on here? Well, Peter stood up and he says, I'll tell you, i tell you what it means. And he began to tell them about how Jesus came. And Jesus sent the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit came because God loved them so much. And he wanted a restoration in their lives. So the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, he begins to talk about and tell about them. And not only that, he tells them, Oh yeah, now I get it. This is what Joel prophesied. And it says here, let's see, uh, all were beside themselves, what can this mean? But others made a joke of it and derisively said in verse 13, they are simply drunk on full and full of sweet intoxicating wine. Do you know when they were full of the spirit, they didn't know what else to liken it to and so they thought they were full of a spirit. But it wasn't a spirit, it was the spirit. And so they had no reference. They said, oh, they must be drunk. But have you ever been drunk and it made you speak in other tongues? (laughs) I don't think that that happens. (laughs) So here... Uh, They were trying to give reference to it, but there was none. And Peter stands up and he says, this is what it is, guys. In verse 14, Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, you Jews and you residents of Jerusalem, let this be explained to you that you will know and understand. Listen closely to what I have to say, for these men are not drunk as you imagine, for it's only the third hour or 9 a.m. of the day. But instead, this is the beginning of what was spoken through the prophet Joel. What did Joel say in verse 17? And it shall come to pass in the last days, God declares that I will pour out my spirit upon all. All mankind, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, telling forth divine counsel. And your young men shall see visions, divinely granted appearances, and your old men shall dream divinely suggested dreams. Yes, and on my men servants, also on my maid servants. In those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy, telling forth the divine counsels and predicting future events pertaining especially to God's kingdom. And I will show wonders in the sky above and signs on the earth beneath, blood and fire and smoking vapor, and then the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the obvious day of the Lord comes, and the great and notable and conspicuous and renowned day." And it shall be that whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, invoking, adoring, and worshiping the Lord, Christ shall be saved. And then he began to address them personally, you men of Israel. And then he brought them even closer. In verse 29, he calls them brothers. And then he brought them even closer than that. He said, now here is what you need to do they asked, what do we do? And he said, this is what you need to do. You need to repent. In verse 18, and it says, or 38, excuse me. And Peter answered them, repent, change your views and purify, and purpose, sorry, to accept the will of God in your inner selves instead of rejecting it and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness and the release from your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. See, he says he's a gift to us. He is a gift. And if you've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you know what a gift he is in our life. And it says in verse 39, for the promise of the Holy Spirit is to and for you, your children, and for those who are for all, that are far away, even to and for as many as the Lord God invites to come to himself. Wow. Who can pray and speak in other tongues and be baptized in the Holy Spirit? Well, according to Peter, anyone, really, anyone. He says, the promise of the Holy Spirit is to and for you. So that was them present. And for your children and to and for all that are far away, and even as many as the Lord God invites to come to himself. So let me ask you this question. Who has the Lord invited to come to himself? Everyone. The whole world. He wants the whole world to know him. And sometimes we have heard things like, well, only certain people can speak in other tongues. Only those people speak in other tongues. (laughs) <laughs> or things like that, right? Or maybe it's just the ministers, or but no. See, we're being equipped for revival. And what is revival? Well, it's where the Spirit of God invades people's lives, and people's lives are turned to Him. And so we need to know, even if we speak in other tongues, that we can pray with others, and they can too. Why? Because we all need to be equipped. We all need power. We all need power to pray We need power to intercede. We need power to minister to other people. We need power to be witnesses. So here, it's so clear. And it doesn't limit. It doesn't exclude. And it says that uh, all were included in this invitation. And then in verse 40, it goes on. It says, And Peter solemnly and earnestly witnessed, testified, and admonished and exhorted with much more continuous speaking, and warned and reproved and advised and encouraged them, saying, be saved from this crooked, perverse, wicked, uh, unjust generation. Therefore, those who accepted and welcomed his message were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Wow, I love that. On the birthday of the church, they had 3,000 people that came to know Jesus and receive him and it says and they steadfastly persevered devoting themselves constantly to the instruction and fellowship of the apostles to the breaking of bread including the lord's supper and prayers and a sense of awe and reverence fear came upon every soul many wonders and signs were performed through the apostles and special messengers and those who believed who adhered to trusted in relied on jesus were united together and and they had everything in common And they sold their possessions and their land and their property, their movable goods, and distributed the price among all according as any had need. And day after day, they regularly assembled in the temple with united purpose. And in their homes, they broke bread, including the Lord's Supper. They partook of their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, constantly praising God And being in favor, goodwill, with the people, the Lord kept adding to their number daily those who were being saved. So they continued. They continued in prayer. They continued in uh, building the church. Rick Renner says this in Sparkling Gems, the red one, in April 7th entry. It says this, The word power is from the well-known Greek word dunamis, which describes power or ability, But very often, the classical Greek and in the Old Testament Septuagint, the word dunamis was also used to depict the assembled forces of an army whose combined strength enabled them to achieve unrivaled victories. You know why they needed power in the New Testament? Because this was the birthday of the church, and it was going to go from here into all the world. And they needed that power to start the church, but they needed it to start the church. We need that power to continue. We need that power now to grow the church, to bring people into the kingdom. We need the same power, and it's the same. We meet, we love him, we worship him, we pray, and we go out. And it's the same thing that they did. So he goes on and he says this. He says, these troops were so strong that they simply could not be resisted. But in addition, we find in classical Greek and the Septuagint that the word dunamis can also be described as a power that is inherent in a certain aspect of nature. For example, the power of a hurricane would be described as dunamis power. Because of this power so mighty that it is impossible to resist or impossible to defeat. You know why the church hasn't been defeated? (laughs) You know why the, the Bible has never been buried and banned and can't be read anymore? Because there are people praying. Because God is in this and he's in that and we have power to be a witness. I love what Gill's exposition of the entire Bible, it's a commentary, says. He says, But you shall receive power from on high, with which they were to be endued, meaning the power of the Holy Ghost, or strength from him to preach the gospel, to work miracles, and to have courage and greatness of mind, amidst all the reproaches and persecutions to face and oppose their enemies, profess the name of Christ and abide in his truths and ordinances. See, that's what dunamis does for us. We said it's ability, efficiency, and might. We said it's strength and power. It's the might of God. It causes us to have this strength to be able to operate as a hurricane, as an army, as one who has greatness of mind and courage, as one who cannot uh, be put under because of persecution or reproach. That empowers us to live the life that we are supposed to live in him. And then he goes on and he says, the Lord gives this power to them to understand that they must Expect labor, service, affliction, and trials, which would require power and strength, but they have it. Wow, I love that. So, you know, before when I've been talking about praying in the Holy Spirit, I said it turns our bedtime prayers into end time prayers. Because, you know, bedtime prayers, What we think of all the things, you know, bless Mommy and Daddy bless, Grandma and Grandpa bless, and we pray with our kids, you know, bedtime prayers, but we do those same kind of prayers. Bless my family, bless this, pray about all of our needs. But see, we don't know how to pray out into the future until we're baptized in the Holy Spirit and we begin to connect with the heart of God. And when we do that, we pray out mysteries. We pray out things that are from His heart, not just from our heart. So there's so much power in it. They persevered and they devoted themselves constantly to instruction and to prayers. What kind of prayers do you think that they devoted themselves to? Since they were baptized in the Spirit, almost every time from this point forward, I imagine that they were praying in the Spirit. I imagine that they were praying in other tongues. We're going to go to a scripture when Peter saw the sheet come down from heaven. I imagine he was praying in other tongues when that happened. Things were opened up as they continued in prayer. So not only does it lead us to know that those people, those 3,000 were saved, but also that they were baptized in the Holy Spirit too. So now we have this happening not just for 12 and not just for 120, but now for 3,000. So there's a whole bunch of people that are baptized in the Holy Spirit. This is a pattern that begins uh, here and continues throughout the New Testament. In five different places, we see people that are baptized in the Holy Spirit. They are first saved, and then they're baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's a first experience receiving Jesus, and a second experience being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so it's a pattern that starts here and it continues. So in Acts uh, 1, um, we see that Jesus told them to go, to be baptized, but sometimes we have the question, were the disciples saved? Were they saved? Did they get saved first? Well, absolutely. In John chapter 20, verse 21, the Bible tells us this. It says, Then Jesus said to them again, Peace be to you, just as the Father has sent me forth, so I am sending you. And having said this, he breathed on them, and he said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Now this is the place where The disciples were saved. They received the Holy Spirit. Do you know when we're saved? We receive the Holy Spirit. Sometimes that's why it's confusing. That's why we're talking about the different kinds of baptism. Baptism into the body of Christ is being saved. Baptism in water is where we declare publicly what we did when we received him. So we go into the water and we come out of the water, and it's representing our death, burial, and resurrection with Jesus. But that's the infilling of the Holy Spirit. So now, when we talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we're talking about the immersion or Him upon us. So there's two different things that we're talking about, but it's a pattern throughout the New Testament that they were saved and then baptized in the Holy Spirit. So let's go over to the next place where we see this. Now, this is one year after the book... uh, Uh, the second chapter of Acts. This is one year after, and it's Acts 8. Tonight, this is what we're going to do the rest of the evening. We're going to look at these five places. And, you know, this really helps us because we have a lot of questions and people have a lot of questions. And when we're equipped to answer their questions and when we're equipped uh, with the Word of God, then we have more confidence with praying with Him. So, when we're equipped to answer other people's questions, then we can help them to go further in Him. So, here it is in Acts 8:5. That's where we're going. Now, power is important. In John 14:12, and I'm just going to read this one to you, it says, I assure you, most solemnly, I tell you, if anyone steadfastly believes in me, he himself will be able to do the things that I do, and he will even do greater things than these because I go to the Father. Why did Jesus say, I need you to go to Jerusalem, and I need you to wait for the power of the Holy Spirit? Luke says it this way, to be endued with power from on high. Why did he say that? Because they needed that power to do everything that they were doing. And that's why now, in the New Testament, we see it wasn't just those on the... the, Uh, day of Pentecost, there are others. It continues. So in Acts chapter 8, verse 5, they're going to the city of Samaria, and it says, um, oh, is this the one I'm thinking? Oh, I'm in 9. Okay, sorry. 8, 5, and it says this. It says, actually in 4, It says, Now those who were scattered abroad went about throughout the land from place to place, preaching glad tidings of the word and the doctrine concerning the attainment through Christ of salvation in the kingdom of God. Philip, the deacon, not the apostle, and they make it clear to say that. So now it's Philip, Philip the deacon was uh, ministering, says, went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed Christ, the Messiah, to them, to the people. And great crowds of people with one accord listened to and heeded what was said by Philip as they heard him and they watched the miracles and the wonders which he kept performing. For foul spirits came out of many who were possessed by them, screaming and shouting with a loud voice, and many who were suffering from palsy were and were, or were crippled were restored to health, and there was a great rejoicing in that city. But there was a man named Simon who had formerly practiced magic arts in the city to the utter amazement of the Samaritan nation, claiming that he himself was extraordinary and a distinguished person. Wow. <laughs> and they all paid earnest attention to him from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is that exhibition of the power of God, which is called great and intense. And they were attentive and made much of him because for a long time he had amazed and bewildered and dazzled them with his skill and magic arts. But when they believed the good news, the gospel about the kingdom of God, and the name of Jesus Christ the Messiah, as Philip preached it, they were baptized, both men and women. Now this is that word, babto. They were born again, and they were baptized in water. Even Simon himself believed and adhered to and trusted in and relied on the teaching of Philip. And after being baptized, devoted himself constantly to him. So even Simon got saved. That was awesome. And then seeing the signs and miracles of great power which were being performed, he was utterly amazed. So the amazing one was now amazed. (laughs) So now when the apostles, the special messengers at Jerusalem, heard that the country of Samaria had accepted and welcomed the word, they sent Peter and John to them. And they came down and they prayed for the Samaritans that they might receive the Holy Spirit." So they were saved, and now they're about to receive the Holy Spirit. Peter and John have come, and that's exactly what they're praying for them about. So they said, those guys are saved, but they need that power so that they can pray with others. So then it says in verse 16, For he had not yet fallen upon any of them, but they had only been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Then the apostles laid their hands on them, one by one, and they received the Holy Spirit. So it says they received him, they were saved, and now they are baptized in the Holy Spirit. And it goes on with the story. It says, however, when Simon saw that the Holy Spirit was imparted through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he brought money and offered it to them, saying, grant me also this power and authority in order that anyone whom I place my hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. See, he wants this amazing gift because he has been amazing people for a long time. And now God is amazing him and he wants this. And so it says, but Peter said to him, destruction overtake your money and you because you imagined that you could obtain the free gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter. That's a very interesting word, matter there, because when you look it up in the Greek, it's the Greek word logos. Now we know that word logos. Logos means word. It means speech. It means discourse. So, what Simon saw that was so amazing to him when they were prayed for to receive the Holy Spirit and they were baptized in the Holy Spirit and they received him was something that was able to be seen and not only seen, but heard. So they said, you, your heart is not right in this matter. And it says, your heart is all wrong in God's sight and is not fit or straightforward Uh, before God so repent of this depravity and wickedness of yours and pray that the Lord that if possible this contriving thought and purpose of your heart may be removed and discarded and forgiving you for I see that you are in the okay then he goes on saying some other things and um, they begin ministering to him so this this is the second place that we see. It was one year after the, the Acts chapter 2, and the city of Samaria received the Holy Spirit. They received something that was able to be seen. What did they see? Well, because it says that they received the Holy Spirit, and because Uh, Peter and John tell him you have no part in this matter, this speech, this discourse, this logos. We know that it was the Holy Spirit. But here's another place as well. Go with me over to Acts chapter 9. Now it's just one page after, but it's actually a few years after. This is now four years after the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 9. And we know this story very well. So in Acts chapter 9, verse 1, it says, Meanwhile, Saul, still drawing his breath hard from threatening and murderous desire against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and requested of him letters to the synagogues at Damascus to authorize him so that if he found any men or women belonging to the way of life determined by faith in Jesus Christ, he might bring them bound with chains to Jerusalem." Now as he traveled on, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed round about him, and he fell to the ground, and then he heard a voice saying to him, "'Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me, harassing, troubling, and molesting me?' And Saul said, "'Who are you, Lord?' And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It is dangerous and will turn out badly for you to keep kicking against the goad and offer vain and perilous resistance. Trembling and astonished, he asked, Lord, what do you desire me to do? And the Lord said to him, arise and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. So Saul who we know as Paul, is now traveling, and what happens? The Lord knocks him off of his horse. He has this Damascus Road experience, and he receives the Lord, and he says, Lord, what do you want me to do? So this pattern that we've been looking at, saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit, happened in the book of Acts in the second chapter It all on the day of Pentecost. It also happened with the Samaritans, saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit. And now it's about to happen with Saul. So as we go on, it says in verse 10, Now there was in Damascus a disciple named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he answered, Here am I, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight, and I will ask and ask at the house of Judas for a man of Tarsus named Saul." For behold, he is praying there, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias enter and lay his hands on him. Why? That he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard many people tell of this man, especially how evil and what a great suffering he has brought upon your saints in Jerusalem. Now he is here and has authority from the high priest to put in chains all who call upon your name. But the Lord said, Go, for this man is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name for the Gentiles and kings and descendants of Israel. For I will make clear to him how much he will be afflicted and must endure and suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias left and he went into the house and he laid hands on Saul and he said, Brother Saul the Lord Jesus who appeared to you along the way by which you came here has sent me that you may recover your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And instantly something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he recovered his sight and he arose and was baptized. I love that story. You know, we read a lot of the Bible because that's how we learn what happened and how we're equipped when we see it in the word we can show someone else in the word so here now it's four years after the day of pentecost and we see saul who was persecuting the church now he gets saved and you know the church was praying for all those who were persecuting they were praying in the spirit for paul (laughs) but now paul gets saved And not only that, Ananias comes and lays hands on him to receive the Holy Spirit. Well, it doesn't say right here that he spoke in other tongues, but it does say in 1 Corinthians 14, 18, I thank my God I speak in tongues more than you all. So we know that he spoke a lot in other tongues. So that's the other place that we see, uh, the third place, and that is with Paul. Now let's go to the fourth, and it's in Acts chapter 10. Now in Acts chapter 10, um, This is now seven years after Pentecost. In Acts chapter 10, we know the story. Peter is praying. Peter uh, has the Lord appear to him and sheets come down and all of these creatures and things are on those sheets. And the Lord tells Peter what God has cleansed and pronounced clean. Do not, uh, you say, is defiled and profane and call common or unhallowed or unclean anymore. Well, God was showing him something that he didn't put together right away, just like in the second chapter of Acts when, you know, he's like, oh, yeah, Joel talked about this. Well, he has another one of those moments when he meets Cornelius. So Cornelius is praying at his house, and the Lord tells Cornelius to send people to get Peter. So, Peter has people appear at his door, and the Lord tells Peter as he's praying this vision. And then he tells him, Two people are coming, and I want you to go with them, and I want you to go to that place. It's of me. So, Peter is now equipped and he is going. So, it says, Let's see, uh, Peter invited those two men in to spend the night, and in verse 24, it says this And on the following day, they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was waiting and expecting them and he had invited together all of his relatives and intimate friends. And as Peter arrived, Cornelius met him and falling down at his feet, he made obeisance or he worshiped him. Peter says, get up, I'm just a regular guy just like you. And so then Peter began to speak to them. Peter's trying to figure out why he is there. Well, then we jump over to, let's see, verse Oh, I turned too many pages. I turned a lot of pages, sorry. Okay, to verse uh, 33. So at once, Cornelius says, as soon as the Lord told me, I sent for you, and you being a Jew have done a kind and courteous and a handsome thing in coming. Now then, we are all present in the sight of God to listen to what you have instructed by the Lord to say. Oh, wow. So Peter's like... Hmm, what am I supposed to say? I don't even know why I'm here. And then, boom, it all comes together. And it says, And Peter opened his mouth and said, Most certainly and thoroughly I now perceive and understand that God shows no partiality and is no respecter of persons. So now Peter gets it. He goes, Oh, wow, I'm to preach the gospel to you guys. You know, this is the the beginning of the gospel going to the Gentiles? And not only does the gospel come, the Holy Spirit comes too in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So he's going to fill them and he's going to come upon them. So then we jump over here to verse 43 and it says, To him, all the prophets testify and bear witness that everyone who believes in him, adheres to and trusts and relies on him, giving himself up to him, receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was yet still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell on all who were listening to the message. And the believers from among the circumcised, the Jews who came with Peter, were surprised and amazed because the free gift of the Holy Spirit had been bestowed and poured out largely even upon the Gentiles. For they heard them talking in unknown tongues, languages, and extolling and magnifying God. Then Peter asked, can anyone forbid or refuse water for baptizing these people, seeing that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? So they were saved When he preached the gospel to them, they received Jesus into their heart. They received the message, and at the same time they received him, they, at the same time Peter was even speaking, they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. I love that. The pattern continues, saved and baptized. And you know, some of us, when we were saved, we got baptized immediately. But if we didn't, it's not too late, (laughs) we can be baptized in the Holy Spirit and we can pray in other tongues. Okay, Acts 19, this is another one. This is number five, Acts 19. And now this is 23 years from the day of Pentecost. So why are we looking at all of these? Because sometimes people will say, oh, that happened on the day of Pentecost, but when those apostles died, that was over. Not true, not true. Sometimes people will say, well, yeah, that was to start the church. And they needed it to start the church. So that happened in the, in the beginning. But after that, it didn't happen anymore. Oh, no. Not true. It happened some more, a lot more. And this is now 23 years past the day of Pentecost. So in Acts chapter 19, it says this in verse 1. 1. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul went through the upper inland districts and came down to Ephesus and he found some disciples and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ? And they said, no, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Do you know that there's a lot of people today that are still not knowing that there is a Holy Spirit? But he's here, and he wants to be an active part of our everyday life. So they said, we haven't even heard. And then he asked, into what baptism were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism, which was a baptism of repentance. And so it says, and Paul said, John baptized with baptism of repentance, continually telling the people that they should believe in the one who was to come after him. That is, Jesus having a conviction, a full joyful trust in him. He is Christ, the Messiah, and being obedient to him. And on hearing this, they were baptized again, this time in the name of the Lord Jesus. And as Paul laid hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in foreign, unknown tongues, languages, and prophesied, and there were about 12 of them in all. So I love this. It continues. This gift of tongues did not pass away with the disciples. It did not pass away with the early church. In fact, those of us who pray in other tongues know that it is still for now. But you, as one who does, is an, and a believer in him, you are commissioned to go out and to tell others about this wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit. And when we do, they can have the same power. So praying in other tongues is the initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So sometimes people will say, and Brother Hagan said this, it's the gateway into the supernatural, and I love that. Um, sometimes people will say, well, I have the Holy Spirit, Because I've been saved, He lives on the inside of me. I have the Holy Spirit already. And that is true. You do have the Holy Spirit. You are not baptized in the Holy Spirit, though. Who has heard of Smith Wigglesworth? Okay, so many of us have. Smith Wigglesworth was one who argued and argued and argued and said, I don't need to pray in other tongues because I have the Holy Spirit. When I received the Holy Spirit, when you read his book, um, Smith Wigglesworth, and it's called About the Holy Spirit, it's that white cover with the big blue Holy Spirit letters. He will say this over and over. He says, I argued with people and I argued with people. I have the Holy Spirit. I have all the Holy Spirit I need. When I received uh, the, the Lord into my life, my tongue was set free. He, he was tongue-tied. Well, his tongue was set free. He said, I all of a sudden had an inspiration to preach and he said, I know that that was the Holy Spirit. Well, it was. It was his anointing in his life. But then he started hearing about how people were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Well, he decided to go and check it out. And so when he went to the meeting, they they were almost sorry that he came, he says in his testimony. He said, I kept arguing with them. I kept telling them things. I kept, he said, and then the very last day, of being at the meeting, he says um, he received about, he was so hungry and thirsty for God. That's what he said. I was so hungry and thirsty for God that I wasn't going to leave without tongues. And so this is his testimony. Um, It says... Uh, Smith Wigglesworth would argue with people that he was already filled with the Holy Ghost. And then he heard that Christians were speaking in tongues in a local Episcopal church, and he went to see about it. He found that the pastor and his wife had received the baptism of the Holy Holy Ghost. Many church members as well as others from all over Europe had received this New Testament experience. The pastor and his wife asked Wigglesworth, have you received the Holy Ghost? Wigglesworth replied, yes, yes. Then they asked, "'Did you speak with tongues when you were filled?' Wigglesworth said, "'No, but I'm just as much filled with the Holy Ghost as you are.'" Wigglesworth was so adamant about it that he almost disrupted all of the meetings. Wigglesworth finally went to the parsonage, or the rectory—this was his last night of being in these meetings— to get the Episcopal pastor to pray for him to receive the Holy Ghost. But the pastor wasn't there, so the pastor's wife said, I will pray for you. Wigglesworth replied, just pray for me that I get the tongues. She said, no, you don't want the tongues. You want the Holy Ghost. The tongues will take care of themselves. He said, I have the Holy Ghost. (laughs) He was going on with the same argument. She said, never mind, kneel down here. She was tired of arguing with him. So <laughs> he knelt down, and he laid, she laid hands on his head. And he said that when she laid hands on him, the Holy Ghost power came upon him, just as when, just then, there was an interruption, and she left the room. Pulling the door closed, Wigglesworth, wouldn't, so wouldn't be, he wouldn't be disturbed. He says in his uh, testimony too, which it's not in this part, he says, which was actually the best thing that could have happened, he said, because I was alone with God at that moment. And that's exactly what he needed. As the power of God came upon him, God gave him a vision. Wigglesworth said in this vision, I saw a stream of blood flowing from Calvary like a mighty river. I saw myself in that stream. I began to cry out, clean, clean, clean clean. I am clean. The blood has cleansed me. I am clean because of the blood of Jesus. And in a few moments, I noticed that I wasn't saying clean in English. I was talking in some kind of language that I had never spoken before. I was speaking in tongues. And then I had another vision. Wigglesworth related this vision, in it I saw the mighty power of Pentecost, and God, the Holy Ghost, settled all my arguments for me. I had been arguing with spirit-filled believers every day that I had the Holy Ghost just as much as they did, and in a moment's time I saw that I had never really been filled with the Holy Ghost until then. Certainly, Wigglesworth said, I'd had some wonderful experiences. Before, as a minister, God had blessed me and anointed me to preach. My wife and I had gotten many saved and even healed, but I had never really been filled with the Holy Ghost until then. When you get an experience inside of the Word of God, you have an experience outside of the realm of arguments. Before, I had an argument, but now I had an experience with God. See, I love that, because that's what he wants for us. And it opened up a whole world of ministering to people. It opened up so much for him in a, a new way to flow with the Holy Spirit, to minister, to uh, bring forth and to pray for things that he didn't know in his mind. We are so limited in our own language. Even, you know, we begin to praise him, and we run out of words but we can praise him in our heavenly language, in other tongues, and we can go so much further. We can pray from the heart of God. In The the gift of praying in other tongues, he has really given us a way to elevate us to his level. And why would we not want that? When Smith Wigglesworth began to see that that's exactly what it was, that it wasn't just something you know, that he already had. He saw, no, there's something else going on here. And, and he wanted it, and he was hungering for it. He just didn't know how to get it. He kept arguing. But when he surrendered and released himself, God took him and he lifted him to a whole new level of effectiveness, of ministry, of might, of power, he became an army. I mean, when you look at all that he did in his life, he raised some 18 people from the dead. He ministered to all sorts of people. I remember uh, one story about him where he says, uh, he was elderly even at that point, and he says, Take me to this place. It was cliffs, and in the middle of of nowhere, he went to that place, and the people who took him there said, why are we going here? And we've been waiting here for a few hours, and nobody has even come. And then all of a sudden, this backpacker came and sat down next to Smith, and he ministered to him, and he said, we had the most glorious prayer meeting right there in that place. And then Smith looked at him, and he said, that's why we came, take me home now. I just love that. He followed the Holy Spirit. He followed him. So we have to know and be grounded in the word that this is something that we can pray with others and we can really show them in the word of God. So I hope you took down notes on all those places where uh, five places in the New Testament where we see the Holy Spirit. But you know what? Next, we're going to keep on this subject for a little bit. Because we're going to talk about intercession, praying in other tongues with intercession. We're going to talk about praying in other tongues to build ourselves up on our most holy faith. We're going to talk about flowing with him. We're going to talk about how uh, praying in other tongues operates in the church. We're going to talk about a lot of different things. But this is a really big thing when we're talking about revival And when we're talking about the last days, and especially when we begin to talk about prayer, connecting with the heart of God. So we're going to stay on it tonight. If you're inspired and you're like, all right, if it's for Smith and it's for all those people in the Bible, then it's for me. All you need to do is come up here. Our altar care team is up here and they will pray with you to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He wants to... uh, Really have that intimate fellowship and partnership with you, and that's why we read in James, he longs for the Spirit to be welcomed. So, uh, if that is you, make sure you come up here tonight, and our altar care team will pray with you. But go ahead and stand with me. We're we're really, you know, I'm a teacher. Pastor Mark's a preacher. I'm a teacher. And I'm able to uh, really help us with the word this way so it gets down in our heart. We can have confidence when the word gets down in our heart. And then when we do begin to pray, we know where we're going, we know what we're doing, we have confidence to follow him, and it's powerful. So anyway, uh, we're going to have some some Sunday nights here where we're just teaching and teaching, but I believe we're going to have some where we are flowing and praying. And once we get past the teaching part where where we're really, uh, we're full and we have that foundation, we can flow with him. So look forward to what's coming as well. All right, well tonight, let's just pray and then let's end with our our um, declaration that we always do. Father, we just thank you so much for this word. We thank you, Father, that as we go home and we take these scriptures, Lord, we take them to heart. We let them soak and and really meditate on them. I thank you, Lord, that you'll increase us. You'll show us even people within our friend group, within our uh, people, families, that we need to share this word with. I thank you, Father, We don't learn the Word so that we can just keep it in our heart. We learn the Word so that we can do something with it. And so, Father, we pray that the same power and courage and boldness would be in us, and we thank you for it. Send us out this week. Cause us to be effective. Cause us to be led by the Holy Spirit this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, say this as we go. What God did in Christ Jesus. What God did in Christ Jesus far exceeds, Bar exceeds. Any, damage any damage done to me by Adam's fall. Amen. Amen. Yeah.